Good morning. Today we follow the order of service on page 15. Our opening hymn this morning is hymn 242, Father of Heaven, Whose Love Profound, hymn 242. Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, 
confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our psalm for today is Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. And again, the congregation reads those portions in bold type. You have been good to your servant. Teach me good discernment and knowledge. Before I was afflicted, I wandered. You are good and do good. The proud have spoken lies against me. Their heart is as thick as fat. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. The law from your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver coins.
with you. Let us pray. O almighty and most merciful God, of your bountiful goodness keep us, we ask you, from all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready both in body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish those things you would have us do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. may be seated. For our catechism lesson today, we conclude the section on the office of the keys with the question, what are the words of the general confession? O almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have offended thee and merited temporal, and eternal punishment. I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee for the sake of thine infinite mercy and of the holy, innocent, and bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. And so here we have a model prayer to pray as we make confession of our sins. Uh, I think you probably will have noticed that this is slightly different, very close, but slightly different to the confession that we have in the 1941 hymnal. I guess it shows that you know some changes or updates were done uh, between 1912 or 1905 when this catechism was done and the 1941 hymnal. Today I'm going to ask you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel, and the reason I am doing that and skipping over the epistles, I'm going to read it again in a few minutes, and so instead of reading it to you twice, separated by him, uh, I'll just go on to the Gospel for right now. So please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel appointed for today is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, in chapter, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. He entered a boat, crossed over, and came into his own city. They brought to him a man sick with paralysis, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Then certain scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you? or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, pick up your bed and go into your house. And he rose and departed to his house. 
But when the crowd saw it, they were amazed and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. Today we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 22 in the front of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and descended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 447, Fight the Good Fight with All Thy Might. Yeah. 
I ask you again to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, again we pray your Holy Spirit's guidance and blessing upon both the speaking and the hearing of your word this morning, that we might be strengthened and built up in our faith in the Lord Jesus, that we might trust in him for forgiveness and life, but also walk by faith in our Lord Jesus, looking forward to his return and the glories which await us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The text for today's sermon is recorded in Hebrews chapter 12, the first 13 verses. Here we read, Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed while striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons. My son, do not despise the discipline from the Lord, nor grow weary when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. Endure discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are without discipline, of which everyone has partaken, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers, and they have corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed disciplined us for a short time according to their own judgment, but he does so for our profit that we may partake of his holiness. Now no discipline seems to be joyful at the time, but grievous. Yet afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. Therefore lift up your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame go out of joint, but rather be healed. Last week, we heard about, well, over the last two weeks, we heard about many heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. We looked at the faith of Abel, who offered a better sacrifice than Cain. We looked at the faith of Enoch, who walked with God, and God took him. He was translated into the kingdom uh, without seeing death. We looked at the faith of Noah, who was moved to build an ark where it possibly had never even rained. And through it, he and his family were spared when God judged the world. 
We looked at the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who went to a strange country according to, you know, to follow the word of God, according to God's promises, that they might receive uh, these promises. We looked at the faith of Moses. We looked at the faith of Rahab, the prostitute, of David, of Samuel. We talked about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as the last verse said, the verse that I accidentally left out of my sermon last week and tried to cover briefly at the end of the church service, these all have obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise, for God provided something better for us so that with us they would be made perfect. And so all these trusted in God's promises. They trusted in the promise that God would provide for them salvation, a place in his everlasting kingdom. And yet, during their lifetime, they never realized those promises. They saw partial fulfillments of God's promises, but not the final fulfillment, because God is waiting in order that we might partake of that promise with them on the last day through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where our text really begins today. It says, therefore, which connects it to all we've looked at in the previous chapters of Hebrews and especially uh, chapter 11. Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here we are told that we are encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses. And I know the picture that is often presented is, you know, us down here running the race of the Christian life and the saints in heaven looking down and cheering us on. But that's not at all what this is talking about. In fact, the Bible really doesn't teach that at all. Uh, what joy would there be in heaven if they were watching us struggle and fall and sin here in this world? But rather it's saying we have a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us trusting in God's promises, and we follow in their footsteps. We continue in that same race. Now what is this race? Last week, I pointed out to you that indeed we are all justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ. We receive forgiveness for our sins, a place in God's everlasting kingdom through faith alone in Jesus and his atoning sacrifice on the cross. That is imputed to us. But we also walk or live our lives in this world by faith in God's promises. We are promised eternal life with our Lord Jesus Christ. And this life, as it's pictured here by the writer to the Hebrews, I might think it's the Apostle Paul and might say that from time to time, this life is a race. And it's not just any race, it's not a sprint where we can go full speed and be there in no time, not even a you know, a mid-length race like 400 meter or 800 meter. This is, this is a marathon. 
We became contestants in this race when God in his grace and mercy brought us to faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit regenerated us, gave us new life, a new nature which loves God and seeks to serve him. And this race, which is really dealing with our sanctification as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, began then and goes on until we reach the finish line which for us is either when we die and our soul is carried to heaven or when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. The word here used for race is a Greek word which sounds a lot like the word agony. In fact, the word agony may actually come from the word for race. It's an agonizing race. You may not believe it looking at me now, but there was a day I was never a racer, but there was a day when I thought nothing of going out running two, three miles and often did that. That was a way that I enjoyed getting exercise and enjoyed getting outside. And I can tell you that when you run longer distances, and of course I came nowhere near running a marathon, uh, but running longer distances, it's helpful to have a goal in mind. Just to go out and run to run and go nowhere is kind of hard to do because it's easy to say, oh, well, no goal. I may as well stop and walk a while or go home. But when you have a goal in mind, either someplace to go or a certain distance to cover, it, it helps. And one of the things that really helps, which on rare occasions I had the opportunity to run with a friend. And it seemed like what was agony at times to keep going, I didn't feel the pain. I didn't feel the agony going for several miles when we were, when I was with a friend and we were talking about things. We were talking about things related to ministry and to spreading the gospel. And it seemed that the run was much easier. And so also our race as Christians if we have no goal in mind and we're not, and we're doing it alone, it's much harder than if we have a clear goal in mind and we're running together with our fellow Christians and we can encourage each other along the way to keep on running, to keep on going, even when it might going up, be going uphill and the run is extremely difficult. And our text tells us that we have this great cloud of witnesses, all those who have run the race before us, who through faith, you know, left their homeland and went to a strange land and lived in tents in order that they might receive the promise of God, or who forsook the world at the time and built an ark that they might be spared in God's judgment of the flood. And of course, we can go on again through all these who lived and ran their race in faith. But using this analogy of running a race, we see that St. Paul or the author to the Hebrews says, let us all lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In order to run a race, it doesn't help us to carry along all this extra bulk. In fact, if I tried to run 
like I used to run, I probably wouldn't make it a block before the extra bulk that I'm carrying here on my body would stop me from running that race. But as Christians, we also need to shed all those things that hinder us and keep us from running the race that is set before us. And in addition to shedding the weight, getting rid of those extra things that only distract us and keep us from running the race, we are also to lay aside sin, which so easily entangles us. It you know, wraps around us and keeps us from continuing in the race. And as Christians, I think we understand that we also have a sinful old nature which is easily lured and entangled in sin. And we're on a race to the finish line, or to use another analogy, you know, we're in a battle against principalities, against powers, against fighting against the devil and his evil angels who seek to drag us down and back into sin and away from Christ, seek to get us to quit this race and turn away from the faith before we reach finish line. You know, that's his goal. And that's where temptation to sin comes in. And when we're tempted to sin, really what we're saying when we give in to that temptation is, God, I don't believe your word. I believe the deception of the devil, the deception of my old evil nature, because I think, I think this would be better for me, or this direction would be better to go, rather than listening to what the word of God tells us. And so, so often our eyes, the eyes of our sinful flesh, our desires lead us away from the race and cause us to turn aside. And of course, the devil's goal is to keep us from finishing that race. First Corinthians chapter nine uses a similar analogy. One of the reasons why when you look at so many things in the book of Hebrews and you look at Paul's writings, it just looks like, you know, this, is, this has got to be the Apostle Paul. He's using all these same analogies and illustrations in order to teach these things. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, he, he, Paul writes, Do you not know that all those who run in a race run, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Everyone who strives for the prize exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible one. So therefore I run not with uncertainty. So I fight not as one who beats the air, but I bring and keep my body under subjection, lest when preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified." And so running that race requires us to do a similar thing that, you know, the marathon runners do. They train all the time. They try to get their body to a weight where they're not carrying excess fat, but that they are muscle and can run that race. And they're trained themselves in breathing so they can continue to go in that race. And so we are to lay aside every weight, the sin that so easily entangles us, and run with endurance, 
keep going. Don't stop the race that is set before us. We might consider the question, well, who sets this race before us? And it's the Lord God who sets the race before us, who controls the things that happen in our lives, the obstacles we must face. He sets this race before us and he invites us to run. And of course, he's there with us to lead us, to guide us, to strengthen us along the way. Verse 2 says, let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed while striving against sin. And so we have a goal. Our Lord Jesus Christ saved us that we might be, as it says in Romans chapter 8, conformed to his image, that we might be like him. In fact, John writes in his first epistle in chapter 3 that, you know, we don't know what we will be like on the last day, but we know that when he comes back that we're going to be like him. We'll see him as he is. And so our goal is to be like our Lord Jesus. So we have a goal, and we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, Jesus is the perfect example of walking by faith. You know, we can look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the people in the Old Testament that are described here, and they walk by faith, but they, they had flaws, they had falls. But Jesus is the perfect example example of faith. And we are to look to him as our goal and also as an example of faith. Because it says of our Lord Jesus that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, you know, Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. Because here as the holy and sinless Son of God, how would he want to be separated from God the Father? How would he want to be condemned by God? But yet he said, not my will, but thine be done. And of course, the will of God was that he go to the cross. And Jesus willingly went to the cross endured the suffering, the shame, the guilt and punishment for your sins and my sins, looking forward to the goal. If you read in Isaiah chapter 53, you see that Jesus sees the results of his suffering and death. Jesus looked forward to the goal, which is that you and I and God's elect everywhere would come to faith in him and would have their sins pardoned and would be partakers of God's everlasting blessings, the eternal joys of heaven, that they'd be a part of God's kingdom. And so Jesus endured the shame, the suffering, the shedding of his blood that you and I might trust in him and receive God's mercy and forgiveness. Philippians chapter 2 also describes 
the same thing. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let this mind be in you all, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of men, and being found in form in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus Christ saw the end. He saw the goal. He was going to be exalted and raised to the right hand of God the Father, and as a result, all who trust in him will be seated there with him one day. And so he endured the agony of the race, the agony of the cross, and continued on believing the word of God. And he suffered and died for your sins and my sins and rose again in triumph and was exalted to the right hand of God the Father in heaven. We also run a race. The goal is the joy that is set before us. It's written in the Psalms that at, that, at thy right hand is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. We look forward to the eternal blessings of heaven, even while here we are running a race. And it's a agonizing, difficult race because we suffer shame, persecution, heartache, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and on the final end of that race, the victor's crown. So many passages that we could look at, I think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, where we read, but you have observed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, tolerance, love, patience, persecutions and afflictions which came to me at Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. Yes, and all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of knowing those from whom you have learned them, and that since childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so we suffer persecutions along our race. The rest of the world would have us turn around and go the other way. The rest of the world ridicules us for trusting in the promises of God and living our life in such a way that we are pursuing the final goal of everlasting life through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The world jabs and jeers at us as we run and would seek to turn us aside from continuing in that race. And the writer to the Hebrews says, you have not yet resisted the bloodshed while striving against sin. 
I might ask you, how many of you have shed a drop of blood in order not to sin? Anyone? Our Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross to pay for our sins. He was hated and persecuted because he testified to the world, even to his own religious rulers and leaders, that they were utterly dead in sin. They didn't know the God they claimed to worship. They followed their rituals and sought to worship him, but they didn't even know him because they rejected him, the Son of God, their Savior. And the Jewish rulers did not like to hear that they were sinful, that they could not earn their own salvation or somehow merit God's grace by the things that they were doing and teaching, nor do people today like to hear that message. And we're running, when we're running that race, we are testifying to the world that they're going the wrong way, that they are dead in their trespasses and sins, and no matter how good they think they are, they don't measure up to what God requires, but they stand condemned unless by the grace of God they turn around and join us in that race, the race of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text goes on to say, and you have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons. And then he quotes from Proverbs chapter three. My son, do not despise the discipline from the Lord, nor grow weary when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. And so you and I, as we are running this race of life, should not despise or pay no heed to the discipline that God carries out upon us. Why do we need discipline? We need discipline because we are born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We don't know the way of the Lord. We cannot understand the true meaning of his word. We might outwardly try to obey God's laws. We might try to please God with our worship and the things that we do. But we are dead in trespasses and sins by nature. When we are adopted as God's children, he needs to discipline us, to correct us when we go astray, to teach us the right way because we do not know it, and also to teach us things that we might encourage and teach others along the way. We think of children coming into the world as innocent, and holy and without sin. But the fact is they come into the world, turn in upon themselves. And if we do not discipline a child, if we do not teach him the right way, do not correct him when he goes wrong, that child will grow up headed for hell. And he may even be happy to be going there. Discipline of the Lord is to teach us the right way 
to take away those things that are bad for us, to correct us when we go astray, and sometimes to enable us or to have us suffer things so that when somebody else faces these things that we can be there and encourage them and teach them because we've been through the same things. And so God will discipline us, and we should not despise the discipline of the Lord. In the book of James, in James' letter in chapter 5, beginning at verse 7, we read these words. Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Notice how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until he receives the early and late rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is drawing near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, lest you be condemned. Look, the judge is standing at the door. My brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an, as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them happy who endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the purpose of the Lord, that the Lord is very gracious and merciful. And if you think of Job, why did Job suffer these things? Was God correcting him? No, it was the devil who came in and was accusing him. And the Lord allowed the devil to have these things happen. But through it all, God taught Job that God is God. He is the creator, that he is the one who is in control. And God taught Job to trust in him and his wisdom through all of these things. And so Job was richly blessed through the lessons he learned from this. And if we think about the discipline of the Lord that comes upon us, well, how are we disciplined? Well, you know, it may be through earthly punishments of parents or law enforcement or something if we really go astray. Uh, it may be through hardship and trouble. It may be through persecution. It may be through sickness or even facing death. The Lord disciplines us and so often has to take away those things in which we trust that keep us from keeping our focus on Jesus and what he has done for us. Corey ten Boom, uh, I don't remember even the name of the book anymore, but uh, when she spoke, she used to always say, and for those of you who don't know who she is, she writes about uh, protecting Jews during the time when the Nazis were arresting Jews and putting them in prison. She was Christian. But she speaks about holding on to all the things and the people in life loosely. Because you don't know when God's going to take them away. But hold fast to Jesus. Because he will never be taken away. The Bible tells us, or we could look at many more examples of discipline. One I've been reading lately, I was reading through the book of Lamentations. The discipline of the Lord. Why did God 
utterly destroy Judah and Jerusalem and have his people carried away into captivity. When you read of the suffering that they endured, suffering which we may yet endure here in our own country because of the wickedness here, why did God allow this? God had a purpose in mind. His purpose was that the remnant, that through all of this, that he would be able to save some and have them return and trust in him. And God did so. And of course, a big purpose, the major purpose, is that God would be able to fulfill his promise to send the Messiah and Savior to redeem us all from sin and eternal death. And so God has purposes many times we do not see when he disciplines us. And it says, now, no discipline seems to be joyful at the time, but grievous, yet afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. We might think of the Father's discipline. You might not believe this, but sometimes I can be a little stubborn and rebellious. And I remember once as a child, my father was sweeping out the garage and I was supposed to help him and I didn't want to help him and he insisted and I started sweeping the dirt in. Well, he swept the dirt out. And it was one time that he took me by the shoulder and with each squat, my feet left the ground and flew up into the air. <laughs> but I learned something from that. It taught me that rebelling against my parents is not right. That it brings God's judgment, as well as the judgment of my own father. It wasn't pleasant. I didn't enjoy it. It didn't make me happy. But through it, over time, God taught me. We suffer many things in this life. They're not pleasant. But we need to remember that if we are children of our Heavenly Father, He loves us. He's going to teach us, and sometimes that learning is not easy. He's going to correct us when we go wrong, and sometimes that is really not easy to bear. But he's doing it for our good, to keep us in the race, looking to our Lord Jesus to the end. Our text concludes by saying, therefore lift up your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame go out of joint, but rather be healed. What's this saying to us? It's easy to become discouraged. I become very discouraged. It's easy to despair. But we need to recognize, we need to believe that God's promises are sure. God has promised us forgiveness and everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. God has promised to preserve us in that faith through our life. And we need to recognize that 
when we suffer, when things don't go as we expect them to go in this life, that God is at work to discipline, to chasten us, to correct us, to teach us that we might continue in the race, that we might hold fast to our Lord Jesus Christ unto the end. I'm going to close with another passage. I like to read the whole section of Revelation, but uh, I'll read from Revelation 2, verse 10, which is actually second part B or C of the verse, because the verse is longer. Happens to be my confirmation verse. Jesus here is speaking. He says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. We are in a race. It's an agonizing endurance race. It will end when we either die or when Christ returns. But continue in the race, race in faith, trusting in God's promises because God's promises are sure. In your Lord Jesus. Amen. I ask you to please stand. Now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We continue our worship by bringing forward our offerings.
Merciful Father, for the sake of the shed blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, forgive us for failing to walk by faith in the promises of your word. Move us to read and study our Bibles regularly and to come before you with our petitions and praises. Keep us from being overcome by our sinful inclinations and preserve us in the true and saving faith unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. O oh, Jesus Christ, eternal Son of God and our Savior, you gave your life for ours when you died on the cross and made atonement for our sins. Bless the work of our pastors and of faithful pastors and missionaries everywhere, so that your life-giving word might be proclaimed among us and among the nations and peoples of the world, and those who hear might repent of their sins and look to you and your cross for pardon and forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. O oh, Holy Spirit, do not forsake us because of our weakness and disobedience to your word. Be patient with us and move us to continually repent of our sins and look in faith to our Savior for mercy. Teach us from your word, strengthen and keep us in the true and saving faith. Lord, in your mercy. O oh, loving and merciful God, our nation and people are living in darkness and are under the wrath, under your wrath and judgment. Open the eyes and ears of our people and rulers that they might see and hear the truth of your word, repent of their evil deeds, and fall down at the feet of Jesus, pleading for pardon and forgiveness, and then seek to walk in your ways that your judgment may be turned away and your wrath against us be averted. Lord, in your mercy. O healer and preserver of both our bodies and our souls, as you have promised, we ask you to provide for all our needs of body and soul and to preserve us from all harm and danger and all evil. We lift up to you those among us who are afflicted. We remember especially today Joyce, Matthew, Carl, Ron Wellander, and all others we name in our hearts. Have mercy upon us, grant healing to the sick, comfort to those who are oppressed, and strength for all to endure the troubles and afflictions of this life in the hope of the everlasting glory for the sake of Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Lord, in your mercy. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing hymn 307, Draw Nigh and Take the Body of the Lord.
unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto Thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, everlasting God, who with Thine only begotten Son of the Holy Ghost art one God, one Lord, and in the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity and substance of majesty co-equal. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake.
taking. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And into death for all of your sins. Shed for the remission of all your sins. The Lord bless you and keep you in this baptismal grace. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Shed for the remission of all your sins. body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. Take ye. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for all of your sins. And may God bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take also and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith into life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen.
unto the Lord, for he is good. We give thanks to thee, almighty God, that thou hast refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we beseech thee that of thy mercy thou wouldst strengthen us through the same in faith toward thee and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. You may remain standing. We close our worship by singing hymn 541, O Blessed Holy Trinity.
You may be seated. Announcements are on the back of the bulletin. Uh, our midweek online Bible study continues Wednesday at 7 o'clock via Jitsi Meet. Uh, we are beginning chapter 26 uh, of Matthew this week. So uh, three chapters left, 26, 27, 28. Uh, the November congregational meeting in Potluck is Sunday, November 6th. Meeting follows the service, and then the dinner follows the meeting. Again, uh, the note about the Oktoberfest in November uh, at Nail. Uh, if any of you are interested in going to that uh, and join with the members of Pastor Stavonsky's congregations, uh, you might let me know so I can let him know. And there's more information on the bulletin board in the back. Second Saturday brunch, 11 o'clock Saturday, November 12th. Ladies bring their Bibles on a sack lunch. Uh, I might just announced to you the person who bought a lot next to us has asked to see the church today so i think he's going to come here in a little bit 11 30 he wants to see it so i don't see any harm in letting him see it uh, i know he wants to make an offer to purchase it which if he does make an offer i will bring it to the voters uh, and let the voters take that up there uh, he asked me for an amount. I said, I'm not authorized to give you an amount. <laughs> so I have no no idea. I just know the last time we uh, had a, a realtor even kind of appraise it, they said closer to 400000 So the last one was really low. <laughs> so, Any other announcements this morning? If not, God's richest blessings to you and your Lord Jesus, and keep running the race. <laughs>